0: Good morning, everyone. Actually, you could stay right here for a second. But now that they're up here, before they leave, I want us to just welcome our newest new city member, Niel, Mike and Cash had Niel. So come up and, and, and look at this cuteness before the end of the day and, uh, and pray for Mike's ankle. It's the, the church barbecue lingering injury. But um, yeah, so, so good to uh, see you guys, and I have little Niall here. Uh, morning, everyone. Welcome to New City. If it's your first time, we are so glad to have you. Uh, my name is Kenny, one of the pastors here, and uh, you have joined us in the middle of a series on Philippians. So if you have a Bible, turn to the, the book of Philippians, and if you don't have a Bible, we've got a stack of them here. You can take one. That's our gift. Uh, for you if you don't have a Bible. Um, and also, it'll be up on the screen. And Katie Carball. oh, there you are. Katie's going to be reading the passage. We're going to focus on the last part of the chapter, which is, um, so Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. And I'm going to start with having her read, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and dive in.
1: I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me.
0: Amen. It's God's word. Let's give Katie a hand. Thank you, Katie, for reading for us. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much um, for this time together today. Thank you for songs of worship, God. Thank you for opening up our hearts and our voices, Lord, to, to sing to you and, and to remember the incredible, amazing work you've done in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to each and every person that's here today Lord, and that we would have hearts that are wide open um, to hear your voice, God. Ears that would hear the word and what it's saying to us today, God. And that uh, we would be empowered by your spirit to change, God. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So this passage today is about gospel messengers, right? A little bit of the setting Paul is uh, the author. He's written a letter to a church at Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. And this is a church that uh, some years ago on a missionary journey, he and Timothy helped plant. They planted the work in Philippi. The first people to get baptized into the Christian faith in Europe were in Philippi. Paul planted this church. He hasn't been there for a while. He's sending a letter of encouragement and thanks and actually... Part of the reason he's sending this letter is part of it is a thank you note because the Philippians church know that Paul is in prison. um, Most scholars say in Rome, in a Roman prison. And that was at the time 40 days journey, right? So they couldn't be near him. They couldn't be with him, but they wanted to minister to him. They wanted to bless him. They wanted to contribute to his needs. And so they got a messenger named Epaphroditus, and sent Epaphroditus with a gift of money, and also just with the sole purpose to minister to Paul's needs while he was in prison. So this passage, even though it may kind of seem initially like, this is one of those passages where sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you could kind of brush over it because it's like, okay, there's, uh, there's travel plans. That's the itinerary of people I don't know <laughs> and never will meet. Well, I hope to send Timothy, but I don't know yet, Right? But there's actually a lot in there for us, because a gospel messenger at that time, you got to think messengers were a very vital service to have, so because there's no Twitter, there's no hashtags, did you see this, what's happening right now, you know, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram, they're not going along the road from Philippi to Rome, like hashtag road trip, right? There's, information is not traveling that quickly. There's not email, there's not television, there's no talk radio, there's no top 40 radio, there's no radio. Okay, um, you guys got that. Um, <laughs> but in order to send a messenger in that time, you needed a messenger, And if you're going to find a messenger, you got to find someone you can trust, especially if you're going to give them a lot of money to go travel 40 days and bless someone else. And here's why we can learn a lot from that, because we as Christians are called to be messengers of the gospel, not just some of us, all of us. In fact, Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended up into heaven was the We call it the Great Commission, but he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. When when Jesus had resurrected and when he was with disciples in the book of John chapter 20, it says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Part of our identity as Christians is messengers of the good news. The message that we bring in our lives, we're we're sent to be messengers of the good news to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers, to our family members, to our kids, our spouse. We are sent to carry the good news of Jesus into the world. And in a sense though, it's not just, we're not the only messengers, everyone's carrying a message. Everyone's carrying a message about what they believe or how they believe the world should be. And if you wanna know what someone's message is, you can just look at their life and why is that? Because the message that we carry changes us. The message that we carry changes us. And as Christians, we believe that the message we're carrying is good news, right? (laughs) It's really, really good news. It's such good news that the more we carry it to other people, the more it carries us through life. The more it changes us, the more it leaves marks on how we act and how we behave and how we speak. The messengers of good news will always be marked by the good news. The messengers of good news will always be marked by the good news. And so Timothy and Epaphroditus today are examples to us of messengers of the good news. And what we see in their life is that the good news that they're bringing, the good news that they're being sent to share and encourage people with, has actually changed the way that they live. And so now Paul is holding them up as examples and saying, he's not saying, look how great they are. He's saying, look how great Christ is that you see Christ's humility in Timothy. And look how great Christ is that you see Christ's sacrifice in Epaphroditus. The messengers of good news will always be marked by good news. So I want to talk about a few of those marks or a few of those characteristics that we will begin to see in our lives if we are being sent and if we are answering God's call to be a messenger of the good news. And, and here's the reason why I want to focus on this today because this whole argument in, in, in Philippians chapter 2 Paul is saying, it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but so is everything about the Christian faith. He's saying, if you want to find joy, one of the main ways you can find joy is by serving. How many want to find joy? Okay, I, I think I, I was like everybody, <laughs> right? And Paul has, has laid it out in this chapter that One of the main ways in our lives that we are going to experience the joy that we're longing for is through serving Jesus first and serving others. And if we miss this today, then we're going to miss the joy in serving. So you may still serve. You may be like, well, I know I'm a Christian. I need to serve. I need to serve the church in this way. I need to do these things. I committed to this. But what you may find if you miss this is that it's going to be out of obligation. It's going to be because I have to, or because I want to be seen as a good person. It's not going to have joy. It might even be begrudgingly, or just because it's the right thing to do. Or on the other side, if we don't have joy in service, we might hear, wait, service? That doesn't, I've served before, and that doesn't sound like joy. I didn't have a lot of joy in that instance. And so we might hear what God commands us to do and how to serve him and how to serve others. And we say, you know what? I'm going to look for joy somewhere else. And so we avoid opportunities to serve people. We avoid opportunities um, to be a messenger of the good news. So we either have lives of service, full of service, but no joy, or lives of maybe not service, but maybe selfishness, but we're searching for joy and we're not going to find it. But I believe this passage really shows us that the marks or the characteristics of a messenger of the good news is going to lead to joy through service. All right, so everyone with me? Let's talk about those marks. All right, we've got four today, and they're following straight through the passage, so if you want to keep your Bible, we'll go right through. First of all, messengers are marked by humility. Messengers are marked by humility. Uh, Verse 20 of that passage says, Paul says, I have no one else like him, he's talking about Timothy, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul is most likely not saying that everyone else around him on his ministry team is completely selfish. He's more likely saying that in comparison, Timothy is so humble that it makes everyone else look selfish. Because if you, if you translate it uh, just literally what he says, when he says, I have no one else like him, he says, I have no one of equal soul. So he's like, if I look around here, there's no one else who has so much genuine concern and care for you that it even comes before his own interests. He's genuinely concerned with your welfare. How is, how is that humble? Because humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking lower. Oh, how bad am I? No, it's, it's thinking of yourself less and taking a genuine concern in the welfare of others, in the growth of others, in the discipleship of others. And what Paul is commending Timothy for here is basically saying, Timothy has followed me enough. He was there when we planted this church and, and he has taken up a concern for you to the extent that a visit from him is the same as a visit from me. It's like, I can't come to you because I'm in prison, but if I look around, there's someone who's humble enough to be truly concerned with you that he doesn't mind picking up his life, putting his life on hold, traveling 40 days across a treacherous journey to go be with you and tell you the verdict. That's what he says. When I know what happens to me, I'm gonna send Timothy. So Paul's like waiting to find out whether or not he's gonna die or be released in prison. So when I know what happens to me, Timothy is humble enough to go to you and to bless you and encourage you. Messengers are marked by humility. When you think of that church today, individual today, are there times in your life where you take a genuine interest in the welfare of others? I think we would all say that. But are we marked by that? Are we marked by care and concern for the other people, brothers and sisters that are part of the church? Are we marked by a care and concern for, for neighbors or people going through a tough time? Are we marked by care and concern for what someone else may need? Or is our mind only on our own interests and our own affairs? It's a convicting thought, but think about this. What would it look like if we had more of that? Like, what would it look like if every one of us was growing in being genuinely concerned about the discipleship, the growth, the welfare of everyone else in the room? Cool? (laughs) I think it'd be awesome, right? Right, so the first mark of a messenger is humility. Secondly, messengers are marked by teachability. And you're going to find I might use some words that aren't really words, but (laughs) just bear with me. Teachability. Verse 22 says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. Basically saying, you guys know Timothy is the real deal. He's not a fake. He's really concerned for you. He's proved himself. How? Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. As a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Of the gospel. So I want to focus in on that son and father relationship that Paul, Paul was talking about, because Paul and Timothy are not related. They're not father and son, but he's using a very powerful family metaphor that in our day is even lost a little bit because we have a, a little bit different culture. We don't expect sons to automatically do what their fathers did as far as their line of work. But in that day, that's basically how it worked, More often than not, a father, when he had sons, he would train his sons up as they were growing up and becoming men, and he would train them to work in the family business. He would teach them a trade to where basically one day they could carry on in their father's footsteps, they could do the exact same work that their father did, they could provide for the family, they could carry on that name. And in that culture, it was a very high value on a son's work for his father and what that meant. They've seen Timothy work. He planted this church with Paul. They've seen him learn and grow in ministry. In fact, if you look at Acts sixteen, if you want to do, if you're interested in this and you want to know the story of the Philippian church and how it started, it, it you can read it in the book of Acts, chapter sixteen. And right before they went to go plant the church in Philippi, Timothy was basically Paul discovered Timothy. Timothy was a new disciple. He had a, a Jewish mother and a Greek father, and he was a disciple, and he believed in Jesus, and he was passionate, and Paul saw, man, this guy could really, he should join our team, right? But at the time, at that time in particular, they would, they would go into towns, and they would speak to Jews about the gospel, and um, to the Jews, this issue of circumcision was so important that they wouldn't really listen to spiritual advice from another man if he wasn't circumcised because it just wouldn't, it's like we're not hearing what you're saying, right? So Paul is like, you're gonna come on mission with me and I know that this is not gonna save you, but this is gonna open more doors for the gospel, Timothy, and so we need to get you circumcised. Read it, it's Acts 16. And Timothy went along with it. (laughs) Timothy went along with it. Why? Because he was willing to learn. He was willing to grow in the gospel. He was willing to do whatever it would take to share this message of good news. And in the same chapter, just a few trips later, they're right there in Philippi, and Timothy is with Paul, and he sees Paul get put into prison in front of the Philippians that they just led to Jesus. And the whole thing, Timothy is there. He's learning. He's growing. How can I grow? How can I learn? To now, Paul was saying, you know what? I can't come, but I can send Timothy. It's totally fine. You've seen him just like a son work with his dad in the gospel, and he could go and encourage you just as much as I could. That is teachability. Teachability is the fact that two of the other books in the Bible are written to Timothy, teaching and uh, encouraging him and how to lead the church and how to set up and, and, and bless and encourage the church. First, they're called first and second Timothy, if you're interested. Ironically named. Um, Timothy, in Timothy, we see an example of teachability, wanting to grow and learn and see progress as a disciple. Let me ask you, as a messenger of the good news, are you teachable? Who in your life is discipling you? Can you name one to two to three people who can challenge the decisions you're making with your interest in mind? Do you know people who you say, if I have a question about my faith, I can go to them and see what they say? If not, why not? If you don't have that, why not? There could be a ton of reasons. Maybe it's just like, I didn't know I needed that, or I, I, you know, I, I can't find any like that. Or maybe it's that I, I don't feel like I need that deep down. But if we're growing as a disciple, if we're carrying the good news, one of the marks of being a disciple is that we're gonna be teachable, that we're gonna be looking to others, that, that we're gonna have a good ideas to have. We talk about an identifiable few, someone that you know by name that is ahead of you in discipleship that can help you and lead you and teach you and guide you in the word and in following Jesus. What if we were marked by teachability. What if we didn't feel like we had to know all the right answers? Or what if we didn't kind of put up the smoke screen if someone said, hey, have you you prayed about that, what you're doing? Or have you read in the scriptures what it says about that? What if we invited people, hey, I want you to teach me. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. We see an example of that and Timothy. <laughs> All right, next one. Messengers are marked by, this is another word that's not really a word, sendability. Everyone say sendability. You know it's true if I'm using made up words, right? <laughs> Messengers are marked by sendability verse 25 we're moving on to Epaphroditus as Paul does he says I think it's necessary to send back Epaphroditus my brother co-worker fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs You look at Epaphroditus, the way Paul describes him, there's some powerful metaphors, right? First, he says, he's my family. He's my brother. Not only do we have that, that family bond because of the gospel, but he's my coworker. He's my fellow laborer. We've worked arm in arm in the field of ministry and sharing this good news. And then not only that, but he's my fellow soldier, He's disciplined in following Jesus. He's willing to take an order, to carry a message, to bring a gift. He was your messenger who you sent to take care of my needs. So what we know from the story, we know from chapter 4 in Philippians that Epaphroditus was the one who brought the, the, the gift of money to meet Paul's needs um, at that time, Um. And that he was sent specifically, it says in verse 25, to take care of Paul's needs. And what does that tell us? Here it was, Epaphroditus in Philippi. Paul was in Rome, in prison, 40 days journey away. And the Philippians know he's there and they're concerned for him and they want to bless him, they want to encourage him, they want to meet the needs that are in his life. And But they can't go themselves. And so they find someone who they can send to represent us, to bring our love, to bring our gift, to to stay committed to the mission, to not take the money and run. <laughs> he can be trustworthy to take this offering that our whole church give and is sending. He can be trustworthy to not lose focus and go off on another mission and just... He ends up in Athens. He's like, Yeah, what's up? I got lost. I didn't go to Rome. No, he's sendable. He can be trusted to focus and to go through with this mission. Are you sendable? Are you committed to the journey that God has called you to? Are you committed to the mission that God has called you to? and willing to even forego your own plans to do it. You see, Epaphroditus wasn't just traveling. He wasn't just going on a vacation. He had to uproot his entire life, put everything on hold in Philippi, travel six weeks to go be at Rome and wait there indefinitely. Because he went there not to just give money, but he went to minister to Paul. And Paul's in prison. Who knows what the needs that he has? But he didn't say, well, I really like my life in Philippi, or I'm like six weeks away from this promotion, or I've got this thing going on at work. No, he's like, okay, you guys are sending me. I'm going to go. I'm going to answer that call and do that mission. What's the point I'm making? God has called each and every one of us as Christians on a mission. He sent us out to make disciples. Are we willing to go on that mission, or are we stuck with our own mission? Are we distracted with our own plans? Are we distracted with with things in our life that just fill up our busy schedules? Are we willing to, to make that connection with our neighbors? Are we willing to, to reach out and serve people who we wouldn't normally reach out and serve? Are we, as messengers, are we sendable? The last mark, messengers are marked by sacrifice. Messengers are marked by sacrifice in just a second here. Verse 29 says, So then, welcome him in the Lord. This is talking about Epaphroditus. He's sending him back now with the letter. So basically, Epaphroditus is the one who is delivering this letter that Paul is writing. So Epaphroditus comes back. And this is what the letter says about him. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So Epaphroditus went on this journey. He said yes to this mission and the mission presented sacrifice. He didn't plan to get sick. He didn't say, do I have the option of getting sick or not? Okay, I'll get sick and sacrifice. No, but he got sick and he came very near death and the whole reason he got sick, he could have had, um, he could have had the attitude of, well, I wouldn't have done this if I wouldn't have been on God's mission, right? But when the opportunity for sacrifice pre- presented itself, he gave a sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the work of Christ. He was willing to sacrifice even his health. Paul says he risked his life for the work of Christ. Therefore, honor him. Welcome in the Lord with great joy. As messengers of the gospel, we will at times be presented with situations that require sacrifice. As people who are carrying the message of good news about a man who gave his all for us, we will come to times in our lives where we are presented with a situation that requires us to sacrifice. Are we willing to do that for Jesus? Are we willing to sacrifice For the gospel if his mission and his message takes us somewhere uncomfortable or somewhere we didn't plan or into a situation we didn't plan to experience? Are we willing to sacrifice that for the sake of the gospel? Can you imagine what it would look like if we were? Maybe we are, but if we were more and more, if we were a community of people who were marked by sacrifice for the sake of others, for the love of Jesus, when life presents us with situations that require sacrifice and we have the option of I can do this for the Lord or I can avoid this or run from it or... Let this throw me off. Are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others, for the sake of Jesus? I had a story here to share, but I'm actually going to skip it because of time, because we're wrapping up. So ask me later and I'll tell you. But I would say, with those marks of the messenger, as I'm talking about them, there's a few responses that you can have. One of them is, that your heart may be just burning within you. Like, that is what I need. Like, I want more of that. You can see in your life, you can see in your own life maybe the shortcomings and the failings, but it's like, if I had more humility, what would God be able to do through me? If I was more teachable and if I was actively looking for people to speak the gospel into me and teach me the ways of Jesus, What would that look like? If I was willing to go on God's mission and willing to stall my own plans for however long it took to do what I felt like God was calling me to do, man, that would be awesome. And your heart's burning. And you're thinking, how can I do that? Because I know myself and I don't always do that. Another response might be, well, I want more of that and I know that that's good, but I don't really measure up to that like I I know me better than you know me Kenny and I don't measure up to that (laughs) it's a sense of maybe even I can't do that like I know I've seen glimpses of it before but I don't know how to do that I don't know how to be more humble I don't know how to be more sacrificial on my own How can I do that? How can I serve with joy? Because over and over and over, I get stuck in this rut of serving because people expect me to or serving because it's just the right thing. It's just out of duty. It's not out of joy. Or maybe I just, at the time, I'm just running from opportunities to serve because I'm thinking it's going to steal my joy instead of give me joy. So how? It's not until we see it's not until we see that Jesus is the messenger who bore the marks of the good news for us. He bore the marks of the good news for us in his hands and his feet and his side. The Bible says that he was the most humble. Philippians chapter two, a few verses earlier, he was the most humble that though he was equal with God, he didn't consider that something to be grasped, but, but temporarily left that glory, left that perfect communion with God to become nothing, to become a man, to become a servant. He was the most humble. He was the most teachable. The Bible says that that Jesus only did what he saw the father do. He only said what the father told him to say. Talk about a son working with his father in the work of the gospel. Jesus was the most teachable for us. Jesus was the most sendable for us. He did not, once he was here and as a man growing up on earth, he did not let his eyes veer one way or the other. He didn't, he never got off track, he committed himself fully to the mission of God, which was to save you and I. And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. That the, the penalty and the weight that our sin demanded, he took that upon himself. And, and he became sin, even though he knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for us. He bore the marks of the good news in his body. And when we begin to see that, carrying that message, the more we carry that message, the more it will change us. The more the message will change us. It will make us want to be more humble, more teachable, more sendable, and more sacrificial. that he died that death for us, but then when he rose again, he didn't leave us comfortless, but sends us the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of the ways of Jesus and empower us to grow in those. Empower us to grow in those. So if you're you're asking, how can I get more of that because I know that sounds good and I want to have that joy in serving, the answer is to ask the Holy Spirit, grow that in me. Because if, if I stand up here and tell you how to do it on your own, I'm just telling you to try harder. <laughs> and you're just going to get more frustrated and I'll come up in a few more weeks and tell you to try harder. <laughs> no. The answer is in that Jesus has already done all the things we talked about for you and now he sent you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and help you walk it out as your faith is in him. Coming up to an end, I have a quote from William Temple. He says this, it's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, but I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. It's a good idea, isn't it? In the Christian life, this is our reality. It's not just a good idea and like, what if? This is what Jesus said, this is what is real. This is what I have done. This is what I provided for you, how to walk it out. As we carry this message of good news in our lives, may we experience the joy that comes in serving Jesus and others. May we learn to be more humble, teachable, sendable, and sacrificial. And may we bear the marks of the good news. Amen. All right, guys, Uh, we're going to have a time of uh, communion. And uh, I'm going to ask the, well, actually, is the band coming up now? Okay. Um, We're going to have some time of communion. And this is the time in every service where we remember uh, that Jesus bore those marks for us, that his body was broken for our redemption, his blood was poured out for our forgiveness. And the gospel is that even though we're not as we ought to be in Jesus, we are loved and we are accepted, and he is changing us from the inside out. So I ask you, if you're, if you're in Christ, um, get in a group of three or four and, and um, take communion together. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're not yet a believer and you haven't trusted in the story of Jesus Christ, his redemption for you, um, we still say you can uh, join in with a circle. Please don't take communion for this time because it's, it's for those that have identified with Jesus, but we want you to listen in and hear what's going on. Or if you're here today and you're like, I believe that. I want that. Then find someone that you can take communion with and they can walk, pray with you and walk, walk through that with you. Um, and we'll come back together at the, at the very end and sing some uh, worship songs together. Um, I'm going to pray. Before I pray, I just want to give you a question that you can talk about in your groups. It's basically, which mark which mark can I ask the Holy Spirit to help me grow in? So maybe as you heard this sermon, one of those stood out to you or one is like, I really need growth in that. Or I have a lot of resistance to that one in particular. I I encourage you to confess that to a group today and and have other people encourage you. And um, yeah, so let's pray and then I'll I'll, uh, open it up. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that speaks to us and changes us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the promise that you've given us to empower us to live a life victorious over sin, Lord, victorious over even ourselves, victorious over our enemy, the devil. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for the hope that you've given us thank you, God, that your way is not like our way. Your ways are higher than ours and that you've actually called us to serve you and to serve one another, not because you need a bunch of servants, but because it's actually best for us. Because you want us to have the most joy. Because you want us to be joyfully with you for all eternity, God. And that is why you have called us to this way, this way of sacrifice, this way of humility this way of growing and learning, this way of being sent on your mission, God, above our own. Lord, I speak that over New City Church. I speak that over every individual here. I pray that we would grow as a church in each one of these areas that we would be marked, that when people talk about New City Church, they would talk about, I've never seen someone be so humble. I've never seen someone sacrifice so much. It doesn't even make sense to me. Lord, I pray that those types of things would be said, not for our glory, just like this passage was not for Timothy's glory or Epaphroditus' glory, but it was for your glory, Jesus. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Thank you so much.